Done. All right, kids, welcome to uh, another episode of Swing Thoughts, brought to you by TaylorMade and Clublink. Uh, I'm Humble Howard, Howard Glassman of the Humble and Fred Show, of course. With me is uh, the University of Guelph head coach, and not just in turf grass management, my friend. <laughs> he is... Uh, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca, the mental performance coach as well for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy, and uh, a dear, may I say dear friend? Yeah, absolutely. We've been, yeah, dear. Dear? Dear would work, but I would give a clarification. So I'm the University of Guelph golf team coach. Golf team head coach. I, I don't think I would uh, put myself as the head of all. All coaching. <laughs> all coaching <laughs> passes through. O'ConnorGolf.ca. Nothing happens it passes over my desk and my scrutiny. Also, check out our Facebook page, Swing Thoughts. And Tim, not only does he print some pretty interesting stuff for you to read, you nerds, but uh, we also, have we started putting your blogs up on our do you put it up on our Facebook as well always yeah. excellent uh, great reading and uh, good information and as always a pleasure to be with you and we're recording this on the 15th of uh, April if you're downloading the show uh, happy Easter in um, in the past because we're not well this show will be up in a couple days right. so by the time it's up it'll be moved on from this is this the holiest of the holiest, the holiest. Yeah. It's the, the the top week in uh, in Christianity. More important than Christmas, I'm told, in many ways. Well, absolutely. Um, so very significant. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is also the last weekend of Passover. The, thank you, uh, the, thank you. The Jewish holiday of uh, horrible food, as we say. <laughs> it's like the crackers, and uh, yeah, it's not good. But hey, were you saying that food devoid of flavor? Well, there's some flavor. We listen. In six thousand years, we've made some uh, progress, and uh, we're going to. Our guest, uh, you're going to hear this uh, voice in a couple seconds. He is uh, an interesting character. We're going to introduce him to you. But I just want to mention, uh, just for you people that are celebrating this weekend, or observing this weekend, observing. Yeah. Sure. It's, uh, so all the best to everyone. You know, I. It's funny because you know, there's a lot of you know the Good Friday is the crucifixion day and then sunday is the resurrection day and these are very holy times and but you know no one ever talks about what happened on saturday and i would just like to share with you my theory (laughs) (laughs) was this from a bit you did last night no no this is this is an idea as you know i'm a religious besides being golf spiritual leader uh i'm i'm fascinated with religion my whole life and it's one of my uh, you don't believe in it but you're fascinated by it it doesn't, but I, I just, just because you don't uh, observe something doesn't mean it's not fascinating well, it or interesting. Well, you're a disinterested observer. So having spent, and one of my other best friends, his father is a minister. And right. I, since Dan the time, Durand. since the time I've been, you know, 18, I've been asking this gentleman questions. And I have he, two uncles who were priests. He, who also taught me how to make a martini. This nice. Minute. Yeah, amazing. Nice. Diverse. He's passed on now, but I still retain the ability. Anyway, <clears throat> so I used to ask him, I go, well, I understand. Friday's the day of the crucifixion. Sunday's, you know, the resurrection. And I said, you know, no one ever talks about Saturday. <laughs> and here's my, uh, my thing is, on Saturday, all the apostles were, you know, they're obviously sad, but they got all of Jesus' stuff. So the, the way I used to do this is I'd say, well, the apostles on Saturday had a garage sale and sold his stuff. And then he comes back Sunday. He's like, hey, you guys seen my Walkman? They're all like looking down in the dirt like, oh, sorry, Lord. Hey, where's my. So now it's like on Saturday, they put him stuff, his stuff on Kijiji. That's right. And he comes back Sunday. He's like, where's my iPad? Yeah. So how long have you been telling that joke? 30, 40 years. 40 years. So it's a 40 year old bit. So you updated it with Kijiji now? Well, that's the thing. It's it's such an old bit, but you know, it's funny. I never hear, I was looking on Facebook this morning and I have a bunch of friends that are comics. I never hear anybody do that because they always talk about, you know, on Sunday he comes out and he sees his shadow, which I think is offensive. Jesus shadow. <laughs> you ever heard that joke? No. Just, yeah, Are you, you making know. Jesus and the groundhog the same thing? I, I, it's not my bit, Tim. <laughs> Jesus, anyway. Timothy Joseph O'Connor. I, I like know, I'm Mr. O'Connor. Into, it, uh, You're going to be ice. Enti- eternal damnation for being <laughs> friends with that blasphemer. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's get on to our um, our guest. He is a uh, an amazing physiotherapist. Is uh, doesn't cut it. He is a founder of the Hansberger Physiotherapy in Aurora and Markham, Ontario. If you're downloading the show across the country, it's just outside of Toronto. He works with a lot of high-profile athletes, including the Toronto Marlboros. Marlboros? Marlboros. 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 
Harley's Olympic athletes, uh, golfers such as uh, Danny King, friend, uh, of, friend show. of the show, a kid I've known for a long time. He's not a kid anymore. Although it's funny when you get older. When I first met Danny, I would have been thirty. He would have been twenty-three, and he, he seemed a lot younger. Now that he's fifty or getting close <laughs> to it, just seems like a peer. But this gentleman, he is um, going to talk to us a lot about uh, various aspects of your physical uh, domain and how it may affect you, not just your ability to hit a golf ball, but your ability to maybe synthesize the game of golf in our domain, which is the mental performance side. Please say hello to Kevin Hansberger. Kevin, Kevin, look at that. Thanks a lot, guys. Glad to be here. Look at you. Is there anything, uh, your your alignment is perfect. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, perfect. Although I don't, uh, just Good to posture. Be, yeah, I was gonna say, Tim and, he, Tim and I yeah. are trying our best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Try a little harder, I'm looking guys. over it up straight. <laughs> yeah. Sit up straight. I, without, without, I can just tell because Timmy and I are like really in our best spot. <laughs> if your mothers can see you today. Oh my I've God. never been this tall sitting in a chair. <laughs> no, I know. Because I, I sit in this chair every day and I, I normally am a lot more slumped over oh, than I am now, sure. Kevin. Hey, and welcome to the show. Thanks for coming all the way here. And, yeah. Uh, oh, it's a pleasure. We Glad appreciate it. Well, what, when I said physiotherapist doesn't really cover it, although that is your designation. Correct. But, but how, for, give us a little background. How long you been doing it? What was your interest? You were an athlete first, and then you sort of transitioned into the other side of it. Yeah, I was a, a high school athlete, university intercollegiate athlete. Uh, ended up in teachers' college, but as you know, not too many teaching jobs. So, ended up back looking after athletes. Went into physiotherapy at U of T, and uh, came out of the U of T program with the intent to start a sports medicine clinic. And in my second year, hooked up with Ron Taylor of the Blue Jays and went down and set a head, head up the, the Mount Sinai Sports Medicine Clinic for seven years and then ended up at uh, the Fitness Institute up in uh, Willowdale. Oh, yeah. And there we dusted off the Olympic High Performance Center. The funding had stopped in 88 and we got there in 92 and started looking at uh, Olympic athletes. And we looked at them from a performance point of view. And we always thought the Olympic high performance was the R&D of physiotherapy. If we could fix an Olympic athlete, then we would take those programs and take it down to the everyday athlete and everyday person. So it really became an opportunity to really expand our knowledge on injuries and how it affected performance because we didn't have a lot of time to get people ready. If they were coming in to go to a world championships or a world cup oh, event, yeah. We needed like 10 days, not 10 weeks. And so that, that attitude of trying to fix people in 10 days versus 10 weeks is now transferred into my practice. And we want to treat everybody in our practice as if they're an Olympic or a world-class athlete. And I think clients deserve that, that right to have that kind of treatment. You know, it's an interesting model that generally is sort of goes against the established, you know, model of treating people, which is, you know, you go to a chiro or a physio and... And you're basically looking at a couple of months, weeks and weeks and three times a week appointments, whereas your model seems to be, let us get you back and on your way, you know, quickly. And then, and then what's the follow-up? Is it then to be able to heal yourself is to be able to. Well, we, we consider ourselves another one of the coaches and part of the coaching staff. We work with uh, university programs. And again, we would come in there and the most important thing, Howard and Tim is, is why you get injured. And I, we're very keen on that. I mean, if you come in with a knee injury and there's no history of trauma, we, we have to search through the whole body. And sometimes a knee is really a hip or a foot. Mm. So the most important thing is finding out the cause. It's not a matter of putting ice and ultrasound and that typical sort of rehab kind of treatment. So once we empower you to understand where it's coming from, then we give you a series of exercises and we expect you to be a, a willing participant in your recovery so we'll go to the end of the earth with you but you better come with us because we expect you to participate in the recovery and that changes the whole dynamics of, of therapy people come in and we're asking how is your performance how's your golf game how is your tennis match did you win your ski race that sort of stuff so we're we're performance driven so mm -hmm. we, we we expect you to get better and if you don't get better we're going to change the treatment how did you get involved in the golf Golf was, I was not, I didn't think golf was the greatest sport, never played golf. I'm a bit of a rugby player and that sort of stuff, but my special interest is low back pain. And then I started seeing a lot of people switching out of squash and tennis in their sort of middle 40s, 50s right. in, into golf. 
And they came to golf with what I would call some orthopedic baggage. Um, So when people were starting to quit the game of golf because the back was so sore, then I had to really understand the game of golf. I mean, you guys are great golfers, but your guys are a little quirky. You know, golfers, if you don't understand the game of golf, uh, I had patients walk out because I didn't understand the game of golf. So, Because you didn't talk their language. Right. right. You know, it's very specific. And if you're saying your ball flight does this or you you don't do that, then you better have that terminology. So So you educated yourself. So I had to go educate myself, and uh, which now I love the game of golf. And so... Yeah, we. I've often referred to golf as the crack of sports because if you get a if you get a little taste of it and you get the right environment, the night, the right day, the right guys, the right shot, oh, you're done. Oh, absolutely. You're never you're never not going to play. It's the devil's game. It, it get, really is. Yeah. Oh, and there's it's the golf gods. I mean, the, the best the best shot is your last shot on 18. You know, to keep you coming back. And, yeah. Uh, and they're serious. So we so we. We expect a lot of our golfing clients because they expect a lot from you. So it's 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 a relationship opposed to I'm going to see you for five or six weeks and see you later and come back when you're when you're hurt again. So we would rather see you six or eight times a year and make sure your game stays where it is. I mean, mm-hmm. why would you wait until the game broke down? So we would we've changed the metrics. We would rather keep you healthy mm-hmm. and keep your game where you want it to be and work on your game opposed to waiting to that point where you break down again. So. So we try and build a relationship with our clients. Now, I know you have a question, but I want to come back to something that uh, Kevin's saying. What's your... Well, I was going to ask, I think that... um, So the people who listen to our show are interested in the the performance part of the game. We've got a lot... You know, most of our listeners are very avid. So they're part of what we kind of call a golf culture. And in our golf culture, we tend to, to run to mechanics of the game. The game starts to go south. We look at, oh, I'm doing something wrong with my backswing or whatnot. I'd like to ask you, do you find that generally golfers are unaware of the effect that their bodies have on their games? 100%. Absolutely 100%. I mean, I work with some very talented golfers, and when their game goes off the rails, it's not because they forgot how to swing. You can only swing, I believe, based on your body. Your body will dictate a lot of issues, and you, if you block right, I'd want to find out why you block right. It's not because you forgot how to swing. So th- there's five or six different things in your body that would result in a block right. Mm. And it's not just meaning changing your grip or opening up your lead foot. Those are sort of some quick fixes on the range. We would take it into more depth and we would look at your whole body and say, we know where that comes from. So we will go to those spots that we have that identified as linked to those shot faults and we'd do that. So, but you're right, it's all about performance. I mean, if I can put 30 yards on your tee shot, you'd be happy. If I gave you a lecture on low back pain in golf, I have nobody. But again, right. it's all performance. Uh, yeah, but I was going to say about, about low back pain and golfers, it's almost like they're inextricably linked. It's just one of those things. It's part of the, you, you know, Tim aptly put it, there's this culture of golf where as you get older, you just accept a certain amount of, what did you call it? Uh, Baggage? What kind of baggage? Orthopedic baggage. There's a a certain amount of baggage that we golfers get into our 40s and 50s and beyond. You just kind of carry it around. And you're saying that no matter what stage of the journey you're on, there's a way to intervene. Oh, 100%. I mean, if you have an executive, male or female, sitting in an office all day long for 20 years, and invariably your hips get a little stiff and that's a very common complaint you know if you can't use your hips to turn in the golf swing you will automatically shift to your low back mm-hmm. the back breaks down because you're using it too often or inappropriately so if you have back problems i have to figure out what you stopped using now you could have stopped using it because that's the posture you use during your your work life mm-hmm. so i would the lumbar spine is like the offensive line on a football team it's not designed to move a whole lot uh-huh. so your hips are designed to move a whole lot but well, if i may just jump in my boy timmy here has had i've known you a couple of years you've never not had a sore left hip right correct correct um a lot of things that go uh, askew in a lot of people's golf swings mine included is feeling like i'm not able to turn as well through it and certainly restricted on the way back you know when we were talking initially about it an hour ago, and we're going to tell, tell you a little bit about what Kevin was doing with Tim and I in terms of an examination. But you said something when you were either doing uh, Tim's uh, 
a mobility assessment or mine. When you mentioned the X factor, and I'm going to tell you, it's one of the most misunderstood. I'm not a big fan of that theory, but what you did say that made me think is, you know, if you can't move your hips, because a lot of guys in the 80s and 90s were trying to restrict them. Right. The problem is, though, if you have no mobility in them, as you just said, what goes? Your, yeah, your yeah. lower spine. In a way, it wasn't meant to. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, there was a real time there. Jim McLean started it. He wrote a book about it where golfers, and I think erroneously, were trying to hold their hips too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Statically. Right. Correct. Minimize hip turn. And they screwed, because you can't minimize your hip turn. Oh, it's, 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 it's essential. I mean, the golf swing that we talked about is like a Saturn V rocket. And every, mm. every component of your body interacts with the neck. So your mm-hmm. lower legs and pelvis communicate with your trunk. And if your hips are stiff, then you lose all that rotational velocity that you've created in your legs. And then if your trunk doesn't move, then you become quite armsy. I see a lot of <clears throat> middle-aged golfers come in with lead shoulder rotator cuff. Now, they have to develop a rotator cuff because they're using their shoulders to hit the golf ball instead of using their legs and their trunk. Right. So it's not the injury you get. It's just what causes the injury. So if you have a, a lead left shoulder problem and you get rotator cuff repair, you don't need rotator cuff exercises. You need to find out what would have caused the load to damage the rotator cuff. And by the way, I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. That, that, that idea that, you know, again, Tim, who's athletic, has a great golf swing works out you know diligently uh is in great shape and yet you know your left hip and your hips are restricted listen i'm doing i'm taking a leave but every night for the last couple of weeks pretty well so i can get up the stairs and get through the night and you know you didn't know when you assess me but you know i'm a pretty high level golfer and i still have rotator like you know if you saw me hit a golf ball you know it's it's not a I'm not dinking it out there. For a guy my age, I hit. It, I have a lot of velocity. The problem I have, though, is, and I just realized it today talking to you, is my hips are restricted. I'm not getting the velocity from the right spots, but I've been doing this so long, and I've got good hand-eye coordination. I figured out a way to get that club on the oh, ball. Oh, sure. But what's, what's so, rev, well, not rev, I'll say revolutionary. What's so interesting about what you talk about is all of that starts in those lower body restrictions, and, and even the loose, like we, we loosen up a little bit before the show, you know, I can see that if I were able to turn my hips back better, right. then they're going to spin through easier. I'm not going to be hitting against my elbow and my shoulder, which as you know, from two years of knowing me, I, my elbow's always sore. Yeah. You've always got your little I've always got my cuff on, on, my yeah. little thing on. Well, you, and, and there's a huge industry of, of braces. Why aren't we in that industry? <laughs> I never invest in the right things, Tim. But, but, <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. And when yeah. you go to a golf coach, I think that's, that's the, the, the nice next interface. I mean, golf coaches have to be able to understand why you have that kind of swing. Yeah. Okay, so here's something really interesting to me anyways. Um, Tiger Woods. Before him, people, it was only, you don't go to the weight room. You know, people, even Johnny Miller talked about how, you know, he started working on his ranch. He developed all this muscle and lost his golf swing. Tiger, Annika come along. Tiger's, he goes from, interesting, we see all this footage of Tiger from 1997. He's like this sapling. And then you see him 10 years later, he's a behemoth. Um, so golfers believe, I think, that this awareness around fitness is about going to the gym and bulking up. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think every – we use in our industry. It's got to be what, what, what I call sports-specific exercises. Right. You need to train like a golfer. Like, does a golfer need to bench press? No. Does a, does a golfer need to have good leg strength? Yes. But he doesn't need good, strong biceps. You don't have to do a bicep curl or a preacher curl. Oh, okay, so interesting – so when Tom Watson was at the Masters last, last uh, I guess it was last week, there was a picture of him talking to somebody, and he pulls up his right sleeve, and he's got this big bicep. So it leads to this, this debate. You know, Brando Chambly says Rory is wasting his time in the weight room, and all these guys are saying, like, you don't need to have these strong muscles. Then there's some debate. Well, yes, you do. The more muscles you have, the more you're going to withstand shock and stuff like that. So where do you stand on that? Well, I think, I think all rotary sports are it's – a, it's a game of physics. You look at, you know, 
small golf, Mike Weir in, in his day, he wasn't a big, big player, tall player. So it's physics. So if you miss a piece of that component of that part of that swing, if you if your hips don't move or your shoulders get tight because of weight training, you're going to mess up the sequencing of the golf swing. So, and, the ro- and the rotation. Well, that's again. So, so we, the, the golf swing is, is built from the ground up through the feet, the legs, the hips, the pelvis, the trunk, the shoulders, and into the arms to the club. So if any one of those components is overworked and gotten tight from weight training, you'll just mess up your swing. Mm. Um, just a couple thoughts, you know, going back to Tiger, it's funny, I had this conversation with my buddies this morning, we're talking about, you know, will Tiger ever come back, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, because of the 20th anniversary of the 97 Masters, there was a lot of Tiger footage recently. Mm-hmm. And as Tim said, you look at him as a younger man. And I remember the 94, 5, and 6 U.S. Amateur. He was uh, almost lithe, you know, tall, a little on the skinny side. Yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. bendy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even in the 97 Masters, was creating speed, very, very um, limber, as you said. And then you look at him later, and he kind of went the other way. But now you look at the modern golfer. You look at a guy like Hudson Swafford or John Rahm, and they're a little bit... They're big, they're thick, but yeah. they're not they're not bound. No, they're supple. They're yeah. supple. Right. And and they're and even in DJ, who is very strong looking, but he's pretty bendy. Yeah. Agreed. I use that it's like a yoga term. You know, you see those people that can really that they look like they're generating almost organic power. Whereas Tiger was trying to create this this art of how did you put it? He was bulked up like artificial power from from being bicepy versus a guy like John Rahm who looks like you know he's had a few he's had some paella yeah, if I right. may he yeah. likes to have a few no. pops he likes after. to have some but but he looks strong and yeah. then the last thing I'll say is I watched this uh, do you watch the Nicholas uh, documentary oh, I, I, I did so I PVR'd good right? it. Yep. PVR'd you look at Nicholas who's a t- who was compared to these guys 5 foot 10 5 yeah. 11 my height but you see his trunk yeah. you see his lower body Incredible, and if you look at Nicholas, his, you know, goes against the X factor. You look at the way he turned his lower body in the yeah. backswing. Yeah, it's where all the power came from. No, it's up true. on that right, on that left leg. He matched uh, the hip turn. Yeah, that up on his toe, like yeah. he didn't. It was. It's incredible if you go back and look at it. And it's for you older golfers. I'll just say, you know, don't be afraid to let that left heel up. Because you look at Watson and Nicholas and Miller in his day. Yeah. That's where that power came from. But what's, what's the more common sort of injury that 45 to 55-year-old golfers are experiencing? Hip problems. Here, people are getting arthritic hips and total hips. So what happens? We sit for our whole life. We sit mm-hmm. at work. We sit in cars. We sit for meals. We sit watching a movie. The number one thing that causes low back pain in golf, poor performance, is poor hips. So... Let's just work on your hips. And it's not strengthening the hips. It's actually increasing the mobility. Well, I got to tell you, of the last uh, couple hours that we've spent, that really is something. You know, it just made me think of what what you go through, what I've been going through with my back and my lower body. It really comes down to how restricted our hips are. And we're both guys around the same age. But I would agree. But wherever you go and whoever you see, the real key thing to me is, is why? Both of you guys have restricted <laughs> left hips. And don't go on a stretching program until you understand why it got tight in the first place. That's the big issue that I find in what's different in our clinic. We will drill down to find out why. So if you've got a, a swing fault and we say, okay, you've got a, le- a tight left hip, I better figure out why because the hips aren't designed to get tight. Okay. So, so our- why left and not right, Tim? Yeah, yeah Tim. Yeah, and you've I been did. working out, so give us a little bit of you background. You've been working out for a couple of months. And is it gain- have you gained anything from it? Because then it's all about performance. If you're in my clinic, you've got to be better, yeah. quicker, because you've got to play golf tomorrow. So have you gained anything? It's too early in the golf season, but I know that um, – I was making gains. I wasn't having as much pain in my left hip. And then um, basically I took care of my mother for five days or so. She had vertigo. So I was sitting on a couch for a lot of it. And I haven't been the same since. And for two weeks, it's just been a lot of pain. And I saw my physio guy lately and he helped me out a bit. But it's still, it's the last night to get through the night, pop some leaves so I can get through it. But if you go on the internet for exercises for hip, for example... I need you to stretch your hips in a golf position. 
There's right. no point going to the gym and getting on a mat and doing a hip stretch that doesn't mimic the golf position. Because mm-hmm. I want your body to get on the golf course and say, no problem, Tim. You train me to golf, and I'm ready to go. So you know, that's what we call sports-specific exercises or stretches. Our Stretch guest, in the golf swing. I'm sorry, Kevin. Our guest is uh, Kevin Hansberger from the uh, Hansberger Physio uh, in Aurora and Markham, Ontario. Hansbergerphysio.com is the uh, website. And, uh, you know, I've been going to yoga off and on over the years. I sort of got back into it a couple months ago thinking, okay, you know, I hadn't really done much this winter. And, uh, you know, it's good stretching and I love the sweat. But I would answer, I've played, I know, uh, Swing Thought Nerd, you're going to love this. I've already played five times. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I've been out swinging a golf club pretty much every day for three weeks. Now, have I gained anything? I don't think so. That's what made me, because I wanted to hear what Tim's answer. You know, I feel pretty good. I think yoga is great for a lot of like, oh. you know, in terms of your mental kind of a place to have a, like we call it, a, they call it a moving meditation. So from that standpoint, I feel great. But I haven't gained anything in my golf game. In fact, as I was telling you before we started, my fault this year is all left hip restricted. I can't mm. get, to, I can't, I'm not, I've had some good rounds and I've hit some good shots, but my misses this year are different. And I think it's because I've gotten more restricted on my left side. I'm going to yoga three times a week and it's not making, I'm not, because I'll tell you what, I, every time I get to the left side of a, of a pose, I'm out. I'll just, I'll just sit here in child's pose. <laughs> but I, again, you make a good point. What's the return on the investment? Mm-hmm. You should be moving forward. And if you're not, somebody better figure out why. So a lot of people sort of just say, well, I'm tight, so I'll just keep going. Or I'll pop a couple of leaves to go to sleep. So so I think you need to have, what I like to do is, let's create a personal strategy. Mm -hmm. We have to accomplish a certain goal. And if we don't accomplish that goal, we gotta rethink the cause. So I expect you to get better. And if you don't get better, I'm gonna sit back and reevaluate. So again, it gets down to the cause. Why would you all of a sudden get a left hip problem? We need to go back over the last six or eight months. Is there something happened? Did you change your life? You mean the six or eight years? Or or yes, whatever. But there's a lot of golfers listening. You know, and we can just run down the rotator cuff on the left side or your elbow on the left or right side. Right, you right. you mentioned... I have a right elbow pain thing. Outside now. or inside? Medial uh, or uh, lateral? Outside? Medial is inside. Uh, it's, it, actually, I feel it outside. at the base of my tricep. Right. Yeah, outside. Okay. outside. But that's new for you. It is. I've never had that. And, and but I, I was going to say, every golfer listening can go through their laundry list of stuff they just live with now. And I would tell you, in my experience, 95% of those injuries are what we call non-traumatic. They just happened. Tim wouldn't say I hit my elbow, or you wouldn't have said I landed on my left hip. So these just happen through life. So something's going wrong. So I think the body changes, and then you start loading a certain joint in the body. And then when you go for treatment, you say, could you help my right elbow? They don't really figure out why the right elbow's gotten sore. So if there's no trauma, then you have changed. Your body becomes, I think, asymmetrical or out of balance, and that forces your body to shift the load onto another joint to make up for the loss. So it's how does the body change or adapt to situations that you create? Well, I wondered about, so we've created a lot of awareness today in our podcast about these interesting things about knowing what's going on. So practically speaking, what does a golfer do to to solve these things. Now, you know, people who live in the GTA, I mean, it'd be great if they go to see you, but a lot of our listeners are all, all, all over the place. So practically speaking, how does a golfer increase his or her awareness of these issues and how do they deal with them? Well, first thing I like to do is, is get a video. Make sure you start analyzing your own swing. Look at your posture. Look at your posture from behind and from the side, down the line, in a seven iron position. So now get the feeling, is your upper back hunched? Mm. Do you shift onto one leg or the other? And then when, then you take that to whoever you're gonna see. I'm a chiropractor, physio, massage therapist. But we need to now get a sense of your posture. Let's forget about golf for a second and let's try and figure out, do I stand correctly? And do I have a history of injuries, you know? Yeah, I've always had a left hip, and I've tried to stretch it out, but the stretches don't work. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because it's not a left hip. 
you're creating a problem with your left hip from somewhere else in your body. So mm. you need to have what, what we would call a biomechanical assessment. Assess my body and how does it move? And then you find out some stuff that, you know, I have people come in with uh, TMJ issues, like jaw issues, and right. I'm down working on their hips and because it's, it shows up somewhere else. So get a full body assessment. That's um, what you start with. Unless maybe I, what I, where I thought you were going to go, and I, I love that question and answer, but, but we should also have this discussion, which is, you know, our show is about the mental performance in golf. And you, and you mentioned a couple things uh, while you were doing an assessment of Tim and I, which I think we should sort of yeah. come full circle at some point. And you can kind of talk toward the end of our chat about what you saw with us and what kind of things we might do. But you said something about, you know, most people, they... They can't go from the range to the golf course. And, and there's a whole range of things that, uh, that you've become familiar with. But what I, I thought was interesting is a lot of times people get frustrated in the game because their swing isn't working the way they'd like it to and they can't make the adjustments mentally or whatever. But there's a real link, I think, now that I, I think about it, between where you're restricted, where your pain is, and how you show up attitudinally as a player. Absolutely. Oh, oh, for sure. I think that has a big impact on, I mean, if you have low back pain and it's a par five, are you going to sort of dial it up and kind of sort of hit your drive? I think, I think you change. But maybe that's approach. a subtle thing for people. Oh, they they think somewhere they go, like, I know I'm sort of hurting, so yeah. I can't really, and maybe they're thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or, you know, we've talked about it earlier, it's the first tea cocktail. You know, it's just about, um, are we going to, what kind of medication are we going to take? So why would you medicate the message? First tee, you mean the parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that I know gets in the parking You got any Advil? You got, you got them Arthrotech? Yeah. You got some stuff? You got some stuff? No, but I think the, the opportunity of being painful on the range or in the game changes your approach to the game. Yeah. You, you, you lay off on a shot. You wouldn't attack a shot. So I think, again, you're, you're, the state of your body has a big impact on your approach to the game, for sure. Yeah, well, I think that most golfers, again, you talk about the culture of golfers. Something starts to go wrong. They think they start to go through the Rolodex of swing tips and things and thinking. Right. And so thus they become, we talked about it last show, disembodied. Yeah. They're not even aware of what's going on in their body. I, I would agree. I th but it was interesting hearing the show on the Golf Channel with Jack. And he said, you know what? Most people sort of just have one swing thought. I said, I could have five and change my swing five different yeah, ways. Yeah, I, I, I love said, that, said, actually. You know, geez, that's, that shows you how good a golfer he was. He was so in tune with his body yes. that if he felt something on his, on his takeaway, he could actually make the adjustment on the downswing. Now, most golfers aren't like that. Well, that's an elite athlete. That's like a... Well, that's genius level. That's Gretzky, that's right. Jordan, yeah. all yeah. those guys, you know. Yeah, but when he said that, it's funny, uh, Kevin, when he said that in the documentary, I was like, that. just what you said, and that's that's the Mozart yes. guy. That's, that's somebody that, that sees the game in a different... He sees the field, as Bagger Vance would say, in yeah. a different but, way. But imagine if you grow up understanding your body as an athlete. Mm -hmm. This is where I'm all about. Yeah. Let's show you how your body functions. I mean, let's face it. With the guys in the audience, until something goes, we, with very little maintenance goes on with our bodies until we're in their 60s. So right. most males don't understand how their body even functions. Oh, yeah. So they just pick up the club and go. Yeah. You know, and, and, they, and when you're 21, you get away with making mistakes because you can sort of rebound fairly quickly. When you're in your 50s, it takes a little longer to re rebound. So most people are very uneducated about their bodies. Most of us just abuse it. A lifetime of abuse, Kevin. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, it's Hi. like uh, Todd Graves uh, from the Graves Golf Academy. He had a lot of his clientele are older, older guys, some women too, but he says that the guys, they're like, they're just so disengaged from their bodies. They say, right. do this, and they can't because they're just, they've been in their heads. Most of right. them are professionals. So For they sure. just, they think they're not aware. They can't, and like, they're the worst dancers ever. <laughs> That's why their wives want them to take dance lessons, and they go, and it's a total disaster. You know, and so all we're doing is, in, in our physiotherapy clinic, is just reintroducing you to your body and how it reacts. So, mm. and so all we're doing is, really creating body awareness and if you become more aware of your body and what it's supposed to do and then and then practice has to be with a purpose and right. your exercises have to have a purpose so everything's kind of geared to golf if that's your sport it could be squash tennis skiing i don't care you know the uh thing that tim just touched on and as you as well you know this whole idea and this is i got this from our good friend uh, mark evershed years ago but was the idea of 
being aware of the, you know, the proprioceptors of your, of your system, which is basically, it's a fancy way of saying your awareness of where you are in space. Mm-hmm. And, and we feel things through that. And as you age, I think, and as you say, guys, it really aren't very in touch with themselves or their bodies. They, their proprioceptor system starts to fail. They can't put a club here or they can't, their hand-eye coordination diminishes because they're not aware of where they are in space, you know? That, and some people are lucky, you know, the Nicholases and other people that are, you know, I had a friend of mine that was a big basketball fan. He said, you know, not only are these guys incredible athletes, but their ability to pull a, a nickel off the back of their hand would be better than yours because they're huh. just they're just evolved. But yeah. it's that we lose touch with that as we age. Well, I mean, to borrow a term from Ida Rolf from the Rolfing Institute, she talked about mind body integration. Mm-hmm. So when we have our athletes come in or even just regular clients. You, if you change the body and don't tell the, the brain that you've changed it, then you won't retain the game. So after a lot of treatments, we'll have our guys go in and actually swing a golf club. Because if I change your body and don't tell your brain that we've actually changed it, the change won't be retained. Uh. So it's all about ret- retention. So if your hip doesn't move and I get it to move, I better now go in and have you swing a golf club that requires you to use your left hip and go, oh my goodness, now I can get to my left side. Okay, let me ask him something, because, uh, and this will take a little, so Kevin basically got here a couple hours ago, did a full, a bit of an assessment on yep. Timmy and I, and then uh, there was a little bit of uh, time while Kevin was putting his table away, and I went down to get a coffee and something to eat, and Tim went to have his pee. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> to confirm or deny? Because I know I did. Did you take a swing downstairs? Yeah. Because as soon as I went downstairs and you guys were up here, I was like looking in the mirror going, well, Jesus, look at my... Like I, I, the first thing I did is take a golf swing because yeah. I wanted to see if it felt different. Yeah. And the, I looked in the mirror to see what my position was. I'm like, damn, this guy's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I got, my left hip is looking good, son. But that's did you did you freedom. take a swing? Freedom. Did you take a little swing? A little. Yeah, yeah. A little, for sure. <laughs> a little, a little pitch. Just, just and, so you kids know what nerds, what kind of nerds we are, and and give some feedback. How long did that take to create? A couple minutes. Yeah. So yeah. that's the point. If we can empower these your listeners to sort of take care of their bodies. Oh, you mean it doesn't take two years? It's, no, not and a mortgage years. payment. No, no, not at all. Like it's got to be. Let's get in, show them how to do it, and get it, enjoy it. And I've had clients actually check their bodies halfway through a round. You hear the term on the golf channels, is he was grinding it today. He was grinding it because his body was probably out of alignment. Mm-hmm. He didn't know it. Right. So if all of a sudden Howard doesn't push right, all of a sudden he's pushing right, then he would do his little check, his little Kevin test. He said, uh-oh, I better do that thing right in the middle of the fairway. Mm-hmm. Why, why struggle through a round if the balls are all going right? So in our last couple minutes with Kevin, and then we're going to take a, a few minutes toward the end, uh, Swing Thoughters, uh, and talk a little bit about the Masters, because I think what we had uh, watching Sergio last week is a great, what would, what would he call it, a teachable moment. Oh, absolutely. Um, so basically, before we began, uh, Kevin assessed uh, Tim and I didn't take very long, and a couple things were in common. We both had restricted hips. Uh, a lot of stuff up our left side, right from our jaws to our, our knees, were all a little bit bound up. Correct. And then take us through what happened. Well, we just what we like to do in our approach is look for any biomechanical misalignment. And that misalignment will show up in various joints that are restricted. And part of the whole process is empowering Tim and Howard about how to, how to take care of these things. Okay, so once we showed you how to make that check, then we sort of showed you how to fix it. So we would rather have you do the fix and we become the coach. So if you look for the one thing that sort of unlocks your body, then that puts you in control. Mm. So you don't need to come and see us. We would guide you through the process, right? Depending how long that process has been in play, we may do a couple of repeat sessions, but then we create a strategy. So if you're gonna go work out in the gym or you're gonna go hit balls or play, we would have you go through a series of tests to check to see where you're at. And based on what those tests tell you, then you know what to have to do. You could massage a certain muscle and sort of do a certain maneuver to help put yourself back in balance. Because if you play a game of golf or go hit on the range or go to the gym and you're out of balance, you'll create even more problems. So it's about putting your body back into the proper position. So teaching you about what to look for in terms of positive signs that give you an indication that you're out of alignment is very powerful. 
And then, and as you can both saw, the fixes were very simple. It was two minutes of a fix put, gave you back your left hip rotation and some trunk rotation and some strength in that left shoulder. So it doesn't take a half an hour or sometimes physiotherapy. I may do other things on top of that mm-hmm. in a session, but the most important thing is if you're out traveling and gone over to Paris and all of a sudden your back goes out, you should be able to know how, where to start. And it, it, it's not a big deal either what you're talking about. Like you had like a little roller thing that you showed, I think, Howard how to do. Yeah. And you just like roll it, you just roll it kind of on his pocket section of his, yeah. of your left hip. So what you're talking about is pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah, there's, there's lots of little massage tools in the marketplace and we would rather have the client be in control of the outcome. Sure, you can go to see people to massage out certain tight muscles, and I'm not against that, but you better be doing something in between those sessions to make sure you're going forward. Like what, five times a day type of thing? Well, it depends, or what on, you... You know, it depends on how motivated you are. If I'm working with a pro golfer and he can't make a cut, so he's going to be doing it every half hour. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, so um, it all depends on the situation, but I'd say minimum of three to five. I do it three to five times a day just to stay healthy. Right. So again... But, but I like what you said about what you said about being whether whether you're on a trip, uh, you know, to overseas or you're about to go and play and you don't feel free at that moment. At least you empower your clients to know where to start. That's a great phrase because mm-hmm. a lot of us just go, well, my back hurts. I can't turn. Today's the day. Uh, where, I'm just, uh, or no, just you stuck. go, give me some more Advil. Yeah, yeah there, exactly. there's some, there's, you know, there's a, I play with a lot of high level golfers. Or rolling rocks. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of those guys. But a lot of guys I play with, there's nobody that's not taking Advil before every round we play. Well, it's an easy solution. But I'm, I'm just saying it's the stand, you talk about the culture of golfers. Yeah. I played yesterday, not a bad day. And uh, there was four guys in the group. The minute, the youngest was probably early 50s. I was the oldest. And there wasn't anybody that wasn't on Advil. Would you ever have, would you ever in our day see a couple of stationary bikes on the first tee and people warm up before they, they tee off? Yeah. I mean, let's change the game of golf. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you get up on the bike and spin for five minutes and get off and do a couple of stretches and go? You know, so let's, I think if it made a difference in your golf game, uh, you'd, you'd, everybody would. If, you, if it made it, I'll tell you what most golfers are like. If, if you had them jump on a pogo stick on the first tee, if that was going to take a couple shots uh, you off, got it. trust you got me, it. they would. Yeah. Um, all right, Kevin. That was amazing. Kevin Hansberger at Kev, uh, Hansberger Fit. Hang on a second. Let me give all the... Right. All right. You can start the applause now. Uh, Kevin Hansberger uh, lends his expertise to the University of Guelph Griffin's golf team. As well, and you thank can, you for that. Hey, thank you. Oh, thank my you. pleasure. As well, you can get a hold of Kevin at Hans Berger, H O N S Berger Physio.com. And uh, the, uh, we could just, we, honestly, what an amazing. Yeah, uh, been a did, pleasure. Would, yeah, I hope fun. now, and thank you very much for your help. We want everyone to, uh, let's see, to check out, uh, to check out Kevin. And uh, now, how long ago did you start taking up, did you take up golf? Uh, probably 10 years ago. Yeah. And how do you how do you how do you like it? Oh, I love it. I'm not good at it, but I love it. Yeah, no one. Honestly, no one. As long as you have fun, I always tell everybody. (laughs) He's going to tell that, but I was going to say, no one's any good at it. That's even though that's good. You give me hope. You give me hope. You know, that's what I tell people. Like, because oftentimes people say, "Oh, you don't want to play with me." Of course I will. (laughs) And they always go, "Because I'm not any good." I go, "No one is. Everyone sucks at this game. Even the people that are really good at it." I played a couple days ago with Zen Cone with our boy. Uh, uh, Gortner. Oh, this guy's a plus two. Paul, yeah. Really. Oof. So there's me and Paul, and I think the total group handicap with his was probably three. There so there's go. four of us that are all pretty decent <laughs> players, and it was it was Gortner's first round. <laughs> I was just bugging him every time he'd hit it. I go, ooh, you you're horrible, because <laughs> he was. Even he wasn't hitting it great by his standards. So it's your time for the rust yeah, to fall off. Sure, Absolutely. Sure. So there, there's hope. Trust me, Kevin. Thank yeah. you. Thank um, you. All right. Well, listen, you just relax. Uh, Timmy and I will do a few minutes here. Uh, I got a couple of... Uh, let me get this going. Here we go. <clears throat> How did I know? Yeah, of course. How did I know? <laughs> um, coach Tim Welcome, uh, O'Connor, mental performance uh, coach... Head coach, University of Guelph golf team. It's really quite uh, a mouthful now. When I first uh, met you, you were like some... Uh, some kid down, no, punk off the street. I was going to say some <laughs> down and out writer. 
And we were meeting and having lunch going, we should do something together. And I go, I don't even know if this guy has a job. And I was like, you're buying, right? <laughs> That's right. It was the battle of who's going to get the check. But now things are different. It's all fancy. and We're doing podcasts and everything. I just look at your email, um, you know, the signature. Uh, your email signature is like a page now, son. <laughs> co-host swing thoughts podcast o'connorgolf.ca and uh, a lot of my friends got to advertise a lot of my friends a lot of the guys we talk about on the show are you know clients of tim's so we have about uh, i don't know let's do let's put a because you and i so we're gonna I, do our master's reprise here well our review yeah i was gonna say let's put dissection. a let's put a time limit on it because we could go on for days <laughs> um great you know i wanted to say something about the uh, excitement of golf and, uh, uh-huh. and I mentioned it earlier before we started, but, you know, I talked a lot about it on the Humble and Fred show, Sirius XM, Channel 168. Um, you know, I've watched some hockey this week. I watched the Leafs game against Washington. Great game. Watched the, a little bit of the Habs Rangers. Great game. And, and golf's not always that exciting. I mean, to the outside. Oh, eye. yeah. But nothing this week in sports was as exciting as those last, you know, couple hours at the Masters. Timmy and I were texting each other, oh yeah, <laughs> like children. Um, but by the way, was that oh the only, was that the only one you were texting, or was it somebody else? Uh, no, with my two brothers too. <laughs> me too. Isn't that funny? It was me, Tim, my two brothers, a couple other idiot friends. Like I was just back and forth on Messenger, and I was Instagramming, and I was texting while trying to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was. I found it. It was what golf is great at, which is creating excitement. Where there's just a, there's not a lot going on, but it was really exciting. Oh, I knew it was amazing because when it was in the aftermath of Sergio hugging the girlfriend and the caddy and everything, I realized that I was literally on the edge of my seat. My butt was barely on my seat. And I had the goofiest grin that was just on my face for like five minutes. It was just like, <laughs> wow, that what an experience. And I think that... Um, I've had this discussion with a few other uh, golf fellow golf nerds. When you come like the major championship golf, when it is just like at its height, like we saw with Sergio and Justin Rose, wow, that, I mean, there's nothing like it. The only comparison I can make is kind of like bottom of the ninth World Series, yeah. And this, and because you know the strategy going on, you know the things that are going through their heads, or the things that could be or might be going through their heads, and. Because it's a participatory sport, and I even said that, um, it's just amazing uh, in terms of the drama of, of what goes on, like, and particularly because there's a human drama. Mm-hmm. So when Sergio misses that first putt from what on uh, the 72nd hole, you're thinking, oh, there we go again. Mm-hmm. Sergio, we all said that. Sergio's effed it up again, and we've all, and we're all going through that, living and dying with him on that. Uh, it's interesting you said bottom of the ninth because. You know, when it was over, I was thinking about, you know, how in those moments, there's a real that golf becomes like a lot of other sports. You know, the pitcher, you're by yourself, everything relies on you. But then you're also the powerful, the slugger hitting that green on 15 and two. And then there's the subtle mind stuff, the nuance, the little shots. It, it really brings into play a lot of other sports. But in, in, in a unique golfy way that is is because there's so much time in between. Yes, exactly. You know, they're walking up 18 and there's so much time. And even Rose, how classy was that? Oh, man. They're tied. But Rose has won a major and he's given he gave he gave Sergio. He's still playing him, but yeah. he gave him the walk up by himself. Like I like it's ridiculous how great that was. Oh, I know. And that's well, you could wax uh, about how great a game golf is, but among those two guys, I mean, it was just such high class. Yep. Uh, of course, good friends, Ryder Cup teammates, but they're trying to step on each other's throats. There's no way around it. They want to win. Yeah. You know, they want to win. There was a little feel, uh, not and only a subtle, like a, like a like a little a flicker, a hint of this. It was a little bit like uh, VJ and Weir. Not that Rose wanted to lose but he i'm sure there was something oh, in there absolutely. that if, if he couldn't win better good absolutely. for sergio to do it absolutely i love yeah that part was was absolutely but just great. a hint of it oh yeah you know i mean i freddie and i talked about this a couple times recently about thinking back to um the summer that we're won the 
the Masters was also the summer that he came close to winning the Canadian Open. Was it that summer no. or the year after? No, was it, it was two, the year after. 2004. Two, because that was the year that Mo Norman died and right. all of that. Yeah. So, but that... But watching VJ almost felt bad yeah, beating Weir that day. He would have loved that Weir had come through. But, you know, you mm. just... But what I wanted to talk about in our final few minutes of today's Swing Thoughts is this is the, this is the great takeaway for you, for you guys that are, you know, struggling to break whatever that number is. Just remember what Sergio did. Now, he made a mistake on 13, but what he did by making that par... <sighs> Was, is what won, for me, it was what won him the Masters. And it's what be, it's sort of summed up in a, in a few moments all the things we talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Acceptance, awareness, resilience, resilience, being in the moment. All of that. Um, not freaking out. Not <laughs> you know? I, well, not, I'm sure that uh, old Sergio, Sergio has gone through a change in yeah. his life, and a lot of it has to do with uh, his fiance. Um, it's also getting older too, you know. He's not spitting the cup a, anymore. Oh, I do think there's a part of that for sure. Yeah, he's not throwing his shoes around. <laughs> he spit in the cup. I know years ago. I years know, but, ago. But, but listen, I don't like Sergio. I didn't like him, but it's for a long time. Absolutely. Well, uh, uh, Patrick Harrington this week was yeah, talking I, about. I saw that. Couldn't yeah. stand him. Well, he said that he was a sore loser when he beat him in the Open Championship, and it was just this sore thing between them. And but Harrington saw he's had a shift. And, you know, so a lot of that happens to people. Yeah, you get older, you meet new people. Adam Hadwin had a shift, too. His girlfriend said, hey, enough of this temper tantrum stuff. And Sergio came to a place of acceptance. And he came to understand that life didn't owe him a damn thing. Yeah. It didn't matter that he was a prodigy. He, everything came easy for him. He needed to move through that so that, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be Sergio no matter what happens here. When you don't identify that closely, I mean, Sergio could have easily gone into a psychodrama on 13. Instead of that ball, you know, missing the tree, this time it comes down and goes, there's we go. Happens to me again. No, he stayed with it and he punched it out, made that putt and don't get too much good stuff. Don't get too far ahead. Okay, let's go back to what you said about, you know, there's a there's a maturity that comes to golfers. Oftentimes the the old paradigm of golf was that golfers didn't reach their prime until their early 30s. I mean, that's changed now because, you know, guys used to be intimidated coming on tour. Now Jordan Spieth wins twice and as a 21 or 22 year old. Right. But but Sergio, as he's sort of grown up, I mean, the the fact that he met the, the fiance and all that happens as you age. But what was great about that is, again, I'm not a I was not a Sergio fan and I but I wanted him to win. Oh, because he did. deserves to win. He yeah. deserves a ma- he deserves a uh, a major. He's that good. But what you said about you know I, I wrote this a couple of year well a year and a half ago my little four agreements thing and the first thing I said was golf doesn't owe you anything absolutely life doesn't but certainly golf and the problem with us golfers is we we for some reason and it's it's the nature of the game we look at everything as a continuum as opposed to an isolated moment. Meaning that I've got, I got friends that I played with a guy yesterday playing very nicely. And he's the guy that whether it's the front nine, back nine or some, at some point he goes, well, there's the round. Yep. Because he's not talking about today. He's talking about all the rounds of his life. And that's what Sergio was. That was old Howard. I looked at everything that happened to me on a golf course as part of a great continuum of shit. (laughs) And, and until you can look at this moment and what do I need to do now, which is why I was so impressed. Yeah. The eagle was great. The birdie was great. The wind was great. But I look at that 13th. That'll be something I think about in my competitiveness, that that 13th hole is what we're is what this show is. It's can you make the best of it when the worst happens at the worst possible moment? Yeah, absolutely. The guy was two back. If he bogeys, Rose should have birdied. Mm-hmm. Now he's four back. It's, he's not winning the Masters. Absolutely. Interesting you mentioned the four agree, you know, your four agreements that you wrote. One of those, the four agreements that's, uh, I forget, Ruiz, I think yeah. is his name. Don't take anything personally. Yeah, don't things take things so personally. Yeah. yeah, and so you could make that, that is an apt analogy, metaphor, whatever we're gunning for here, is that golf doesn't owe you anything and it doesn't you are not identified with it and so what tends to happen is that we identify so closely you know if like Sergio goes I don't close this deal I'm still the guy not to win the major I'm Mm. still the underachiever and his may his mind may have gone there a little bit but he then 
turned it around, I think with some degree of awareness. No, this is different now. This is different. He's got his reps in. He's This isn't just like instant, he changed it around. This has been years in the making for Sergio. He's been a different dude. And so I think that's what we saw is that he finally was able to just stay in the moment. His body didn't, you know, get flooded with, say, cortisol, you know, in terms of the stress hormone to think badly. He stayed with it. And he found this equanimity. So the putt on 13, amazing, turns it around. And then I think it was two birdies in a row. They went birdie eagle. 14, yeah, that 15. birdie eagle, yeah. right, yeah. And then he misses that putt on the 72nd hole. Does, does the world end? Nope. Just go back to the tee, tee it up. You know, he missed that putt, but he didn't make a bad putt. No. You know, when I watched it, as soon as it left his putter, like it, you could just see there was a flow to it. He just aimed it in the wrong spot. But I'll go back to 13 for a second. And here's the uh, takeaway if you're a, you know, if you're a 7 to 15 handicap, most of you would have made double or triple there. Right. He, I think old Sergio, I mean, you know, he was never going to make, when he dropped it and hit that third shot, basically he took anything bigger than a bogey out of play. Correct. But we're talking about the the most elite athletes in that sport on the planet. So there's a likelihood, I'm not even sure if that's a word, but a good yeah. likelihood that he can make par from there. But a, another, you know, a, a higher handicap person goes, well, I got to get this third shot on or near the green and it goes in the hazard and you make a million. Absolutely. When he chipped it out or hit it out there, I thought, you know, okay, cool. And then Rose was over the green. All right, that's fine. But you got the sense that he was going to make par. I don't know why. I just feel like it all lined up. Well, a lot of good things were going on there, particularly is that Sergio's probably... Wouldn't you say the one of the best iron players in the game today? Yeah, absolutely. You get a you got get that with a low iron in his hand. I mean, we saw that on fifteen, he just about jarred the eight iron. I think those were two eight irons mm-hmm. on uh, eighteen both times. I had a good feeling about that, but I just liked the way he just there was no sulking. His body posture didn't change. He didn't cave in on himself like old Sergio with the you know you know and all that. No, he stayed right with it. He was listening intently to the referee. Uh, on that and the whole drop and it just everything was just taken care in a very calm present yeah it's, way. It did, it's like a lot of times you'll see guys when they're on their way to a big number and we talked about this recently actually about how you get into this uh you know i called it i think the spiral the, of the, death the, the vortex yeah the spiral the, of death yeah you start vortexing where things happen and all of a sudden you're on the next tee and you're marked down nine and you're like wow that just happens so fast to your point about he was listening, he was present, the yeah. referee, it was all happening in a, a timely fashion. And uh, it really is, for me, the biggest takeaway from that. And I'll, do you have a comment? Because I'm going to tell you a, a, an archetypal, archetypal story mm. uh, in a second about something that happened to me this week okay. that you'll love. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I could just wrap up by wrap saying it. the um, part of that thing about don't take anything personally is around don't identify and because what tends to happen for everybody you get a little bit upset or angry what what keeps that going is all the thinking the vortex of death or whatever you go it's just more thinking i did this oh this always happens to me if you can become aware that you're starting to just think and go there just one thing you can do in a practical way as a golfer whether you're sergio or anyone else is just go does this serve me to be thinking like this? Then make a choice. Come back to the present moment and just deal with what you have to deal with. And you just minimize the drama and your body will just settle and you won't carry that sort of electricity in your body of anger or disappointment. Uh, beauti- and that's what beauti- I have to say about beautifully that. Beautifully said. Thank you. So I'm playing this uh, hole a couple of days ago. I'm playing with a guy who's got a seven handicap, but he hits it nicely. A lot of guys who have six and seven handicaps hit it like a two or a three or even a scratch. But a lot of times, and that's why I recommend a guy like Tim or our friend Paul Doolin or, you know, or at least avail yourself of some of the information. So we both hit pretty poor tee shots. On a really tough hole, uh, uh, Sidewinder, the fourth hole, 4.30 into the wind. It's like oh, howling. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm, I, I was in a cart, and I'm parked. As, I'm like 75 yards away. It's like way on the other side <laughs> of that. So I look, and, I'm, and my, it's my buddy. He's a good little player, seven handicap. And I look over. We're both in the same bunker. And I see him take a practice swing. And I think I see a hybrid. 
<laughs> I'm like, what do you? I got in my hand. I've got a pitching wedge, yeah. a nine iron, and an eight iron because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm a little bit further up in the bunker. So I, he hits his hybrid, and then, which is ridiculous, skunks it out. Now he's got one ninety five to the green. You know, he hits it short, and then he bimps on. He makes double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now along comes. You know, the, a little bit more experienced golf, golf. golf spiritual leader. But, I, but remember, I can have hybrid. I've got a wedge. Exactly. Because all I know is this. The whole, I can make par. You give me a shot at hum, something 150 or less, I got a shot at par. You think about it, it's like a par three. Yeah. Now, this is the thing I want to say. If you think about the number of par threes that you would play as a six handicap or a 10 handicap, a lot of par threes you make pars on. Some you make birdies. You make a lot of bogeys too, but you rarely make, unless you hit it in the water. The biggie. The big one, right? So I went up and looked at my line and was kind of a little bit close to the lip. So I went pitching wedge, not nine iron. And I hit it nicely. I had 135 yards to the green. Hit my next shot 12 feet and I make par. Now, I was never going to make more than bogey because I put myself in a position where, again, talk about low stress. I got a pitching wedge in my hand. High stress. I got a hybrid in my hand. Anything can happen. <laughs> Everything can happen. Like, that's what I said to him after we had a coffee. And I said, because he's a fan of the show. I said, you know, all the takeaway for you is when I walked over, you look at the clubs in my hand. And, and I have, you know, face it, I could probably hit a hybrid from where he was. But I'll tell you, I never would because I don't need to. I'm not trying to make two. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to not, I'm trying not to make six. So would you say that you were making a decision from a place of say more emotional equi- equilibrium? Absolutely. Like you weren't, you weren't really anxious. You weren't like desperate. So you're making an emotion, uh, a decision from a place of more neutral. And so that's say you make a very good decision. You're able to, to but, call upon all your experience and your current And Tim, that is so abilities. perfect. It, it's, it's not, it, and, that, and that decision instantly lowers your stress. And I said to him after, Absolutely. I said, you know, if you have a pitching wedge in your hand, you know, because he kind of scuffed it out. He barely got it out. And now I said, now you've got a 200-yard par three. Right. I had a 135-yard par yeah. three. And also think about, he's got a hybrid in his hands. He's probably anxious. Oh, is this thing going to clear the lip? So even in trying to execute the shot, he's already in an agitated well, state. Well, that's what I said to you. High stress, yeah. hybrid, low yeah. stress, wedge. Yeah. And, and again, forget what skill level differential there is. I just put myself in a position where I was a little bit close to the lip. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I probably could have got a nine iron, but I thought, what, what do I, what's that, another 15 yards? Exactly. I just, so the takeaway for our swing thoughters is using that Sergio as a stepping off and seeing it in real life that, and as I said to my friend after, I said, if you do that a couple or three times around, doesn't matter if you made 10 or 11 pars, because at six or seven handicap, you're going to make a bunch of pars. I said, it's those holes where if you could just give yourself a chance not to make double mm-hmm. two or three times around. Four times around. Because I said, buddy, you were a three putt away from making triple. I was never going to make more than five. Even if I three putted it, I was going to make double at worst. But I was lucky. I made a, I made a nice par. It was a, it was a good par. Mm-hmm. It was a good player's par. But what you said is exactly the point I want to make. High stress, low stress. And the lower stress, you know, we've often said this on the show. If Tim or I caddied for you, you'd, you'd have a good round because we would never give you a shot that you weren't capable of pulling off. Because I gotta tell you, that that hybrid from a fairway bunker, 220 from the green into a howling right to left wind, yeah. with 10 degrees temperature, you have no chance. Yeah, yeah, You're gonna make a million. But the problem is most people, they just don't think about it. As you said, they're, they're making decisions based on whatever, I'm in a bunker, I gotta get it near the green, I gotta make, no you don't. You just have to make yourself uh, Give yourself a chance to not make a big number. That's it. Yeah. Beauty. All Love right, it. fellas. Love it. Um, Great way to leave that one. Yeah, all right. Well, listen, thank you so much to our guest today. Thanks, Kev. Good Super guy, Hans You've been. Have you been dealing with that your whole life? Hey, I'll get the double. Sure. Give me a double Hans <laughs> to go. Hans Physio, Aurora and Markham, Tim O'Connor. You know, check him out at O'ConnorGolf.ca and... Uh, Check out the Humble and Fred thank show. You, thank Mornings you. on Sirius XM. And uh, we will, uh, when are we starting uh, our uh, our every week thing? Sometime in May. Okay, I mean, I like we're doing April 29th. We're taping our next show with Gabriel Wolf, an expert in um, 
in motor skills and nice. the whole thing versus internal versus external focus. It'll be really fascinating. Equally fascinating is our chat with Kevin today. Thanks Hans again, Burger. Hans yeah. Hey, I hope your uh, hip feels better. Because I don't like the fact that you were getting up in the middle of the night taking Advil. And your left shoulder. And a, your man of your, a man of your stature. <laughs> <sighs> a, man, a man of your uh, advanced uh, whatever. Being. Yeah, exactly. All right. Golf Spiritual Leader bids you a great week. And we'll see you soon. Bye. I can see from from that far away. I just all I see is something rise up. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I yell at him. I go, what are you? I said, dude, what are you doing? Wet. Idiot. Hi. I said to him.